Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In our Old Testament reading this morning, we heard Job cry out, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved forever. Why do you suppose Job wanted to write down his words and have them last forever? What do we know about Job? We know one thing for sure, at least, we know a lot for sure, but at least we know that his name has become synonymous with suffering, pain, misery. We also know that he was a wealthy man. He was a faithful man, devoted to God, a regular churchgoer, if you will, constant in worship. He was a righteous man. He was also a family man. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he had an abundance of livestock, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. So obviously, he also had a lot of ranch hands, employees riding for the brand, as it were. He was deeply concerned about his children's souls and about the consequences of sin in their lives, and so he prayed for them daily. He's described as the greatest of all his people. But it's his suffering that we remember. It was, after all, inscribed in a book. A book that has lasted up until now and will last forever until the Lord's return. Job's oxen, his donkeys and camels were stolen. His servants, his ranch hands, as I like to think of them, were struck down by the robber's swords. Yeah, there's all kinds of Western themes here we could play with if we really wanted to. The sheep burned in a natural disaster, and when his eldest son had all of his siblings over to his house, as was their regular custom, while they were eating, the house collapsed in a storm, and everyone inside was killed. Job, he contracted a skin disease. Obviously, he didn't use enough hand sanitizer. Or maybe, maybe it was a side effect from one of his shots, the COVID vaccination. I don't know. But we do know that sores broke out all over his body. His wife couldn't take it anymore. The suffering was too great. And she encouraged Job to reject God. Do the expedient thing. Get us out of this mess. Reject your God. The one who allowed all of this to happen. She was the type of Christian who's quick to say, God is good when things go her way. A fair-weather believer, apparently, based on her actions, but unable to see that God is good even when things are hard, even when you sin or are sinned against, even when you've experienced the death of those closest to you, even when infected and faced with a disease. God is still good. 
Job cursed himself rather than his God. He cursed his own birth into this sin-filled world of suffering. As we get closer to the text that we heard read this morning, we hear just how miserable Job really was. And we learn that he trusted in God. That he sees that all things, all things, good and bad, ultimately come from the Lord's hand, as it is the Lord who allows these things to happen to us. And for our good. He co-opts evil. He is not the author of evil, but God does co-opt evil and use it for his purpose, as we see with Job. He has put my brothers far from me, Job says. And those who knew me are wholly estranged from me, completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. My breath is strange to my wife, and I am a stench to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I loved have turned against me. So... Why does Job wish for his words to be written in a book? Why does he wish that they were recorded to last forever? Because you're like Job. Because you know what it means to suffer. Because you know what it is to be alone in your misery. Because you know what it means to have your friends turn against you and to be estranged from your own family. You know pain. You've tasted the appetizer to death. Sin. And it doesn't taste good. Job wants his words recorded for all of us so all of us will learn that our suffering is not the end of the story. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rocks forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Or as we like to say on Resurrection Sunday, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And at the last He will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh... I shall see God, a bodily resurrection, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another, my eyes. Oh, my heart faints within me. The thought is too much. I can't wait. To which we say, come, Lord, come quickly. Job knows the resurrection of the body to be true. He knows that his Redeemer lives. Jesus, the Christ, is his Redeemer. And he does indeed live. Let's hear it again. He is risen. 
He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Like Job and like you, Jesus of Nazareth knew suffering. He knew the torment of living in this broken world. He felt the brutal pain of physical and emotional suffering. His body was pulverized under Pontius Pilate and crucified. He died on the public cross. But on the third day, he rose from the grave just as he said he would. The Gospels are the historical accounts of the eyewitnesses of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. They are how you and I know what Job knew, that our Redeemer lives. This is why Luke says in Acts 1-3, in polois tech marion, there's your Greek for the day, Christina, he, that is Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs. In Poilois Tecmerion, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. By the strongest type of legal evidence known to man, infallible, demonstrable proofs, the disciples believed, like Job, that Jesus had risen from the grave. That their Redeemer lives. It's why they wrote down what happened. They were eyewitnesses to the greatest event in human history, and through the evidence available to them, they couldn't resist or deny the truth. The truth was the truth. And it would lead to their death as they proclaimed it. And they were martyred because of it. But the truth is the truth. Infallible proofs. Interestingly enough, the book of Job details how Job's friends tried to get him to denounce God. It's interesting because there have always been naysayers. Skeptics are not a new thing. Critics didn't pop up post-enlightenment. Not because we live in an age of science and data. We've always lived in an age of science and data. And the church led the way, leads the way, actually. An open mind, exploring creation, exploring the evidences in front of us to know God better. But there's always those in our lives our friends and family members who tell us things, give us advice, try to offer their opinion, to comfort us with words that ultimately are saying, stop being a Christian. Stop trusting in God. That's so foolish. It may not be what they say directly, but this is the sum of the many messages we often receive from the unbelievers in our lives. And I don't think they do it maliciously. It's just their worldview, their perspective. Like Job's friends, I don't think they initially set out to be so militant against the Lord, although they do speak very clearly by the time they're done conversing with him that it's foolish for him to continue to love and live and serve a God who will allow this to happen to him. But they don't understand. People in our lives will say things like, or they that mean, why waste your time being a Christian? believing in Jesus. They don't get it. Our answer is Job's answer. 
I'm a Christian because I know suffering and torment firsthand. I've lived through it. I've experienced it, and I will continue to do so as long as I breathe. Because my body is weak and perishing. That's why I believe in Jesus. It fails me. And one day, it will fail me for the last time. Because I know I'm a sinner living in a sin-filled world and that God hasn't abandoned me or you in the ash heap of our pain. No, quite the opposite. He sent his son, our redeemer, to rescue us from mortality, from death, to give us imperishable bodies, to clothe us in immortality, that when my body finally gives up the ghost, as we say, that ghost will keep right on living with the Lord until resurrection day when my ghost is reunited with my body in the resurrection, where with my very own eyeballs, I will see my Redeemer. He is risen. He is is risen indeed. indeed. Alleluia. And since he lives, I too, you too, will live forever. This is why we believe in Jesus, because it's not a waste of time. It's the only use of our time, the best use fostering our belief. It's the truth. He was publicly crucified and then resurrected on the third day, just as he said. He presented himself alive before hundreds of witnesses in Poilois Tecmerion by many infallible proofs. Proofs that can be investigated and still hold up. He is our Redeemer. And you and I will see him with our own eyes, just like Job. I have a plan of high-fiving Job when I get to heaven. (laughs) My shoulder, I believe I have a torn rotator cuff. I don't know. No doctor has told me. But moving here really kind of proved to the family that I'm weak. And I can't reach above my head or to the side. And when I get to heaven, this hand is going high to five Job. My Lord was publicly crucified and then resurrected on the third day, just as he said, yours too, Jesus Christ. He is our Redeemer, and you and I will see him with our own eyes, like Job. Job wanted his words written in a book. He wanted them to last forever. Jesus, too, wanted his word to last forever. And so we read in 1 Peter 1.25, The word of the Lord does indeed endure forever. It's the VDMA we've seen around, the Christian logo. The word of the Lord endures forever. Why? So that you and I would know that our Redeemer lives. So that you would not perish in your suffering, but would be in the Lord restored to an imperishable life where you will see your Redeemer. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.